much. You be seated. Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you here this morning. And once again, we come together for one reason, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are so glad that you have come for that purpose this morning. And for those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live today, we are very glad to have you with us once again today. And I hope the Lord has blessed you this week. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I am the pastor here at Brinesford Baptist Church. And we are so glad that you have made it a point to join us in worship today. For those of you that are joining us through Facebook Live, in that comment section, if you'd let us know that you're there, we'd love to hear from folks. And also, if there's any way we can pray for you or minister to you, uh, we'd just love for you to uh, let us know that through that comment section, and we'll reach out to you uh, in that way of medium today. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you as well this morning, and so glad that you've joined us here in the worship center. And uh, in your pew in front of you, there should be a card, and if there is, I'd love for you to grab that out and fill it out and place that in the offering plate there on the middle table in the foyer as you're leaving this morning. Helps us to know of your attendance, but much more important to us, how we can pray for you and minister to you and your family, and we are very glad to have you today. Um, this has been a week of both highs and lows for families within uh, our church, and we know that there uh, are a lot of folks that are hurting this morning, as well as folks that are rejoicing today, and so we want to remember those individuals. Uh, but we do have one card this morning from the King family in the homegoing of little Cohen, and it says, thank you for all the love, the prayers, the cards, and kind words throughout this time. Thank you to all who have brought food for our family, and thank you, Brother Brad, for speaking at Cohen's funeral. I love the King family. We continue to keep them in our prayers as they go through this difficult season of life as well. We do have many uh, other needs within our church family. We recognize that today, and we want to remember those in prayer here in just a moment. I do want to point out a couple of announcements this morning. Uh, one is, is that our center shot and CIA, uh, that ministry for our kids, is going to be starting up next Sunday. And uh, we're hoping that you'll be a part of that and bring your kids at 6 o'clock because that's a wonderful time for them to get plugged in as we start our fall semester of Center Shot and CIA next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Also want you to be here tonight at 6 o'clock as we have a very special service in the life of our church as we'll be ordaining two men to the deacon ministry. And that is Patrick Adamson and Mike Crawford. And I want you to be here not only to just encourage them and support them, but also to hear what we as the church, our role is in praying for them and, and uh, what our role is in, in, in following their, their uh, servant leadership and also how uh, they are called on to minister to the church family. And so uh, be here at 6 o'clock for that special service tonight, and I hope you can make that. Uh, a lot of other announcements, a lot of things that are going to be going on in the next couple of weeks, and so make sure that you do uh, notice those things that pertain to you. Also today, want to draw your attention to the Eliza Broadus offering for state missions. And uh, you have your prayer guide uh, for this week of prayer for our state missions. And I want to remind you, if you're ever wondering, what does the Eliza Broadus offering go to? It goes to a lot of ministries right here in Marshall County. Uh, we have uh, received funding from the Eliza Broadus offering for Bags of Hope, our food pantry and clothing closet. We praise the Lord for the support the state gives us in that. Also, our Friday Night Light ministry in our community uh, through our Friday Night football games. Uh, that has also received funding through, through the Eliza Broadus offering. And so um, we're able to help folks on the other side of the state. Uh, those churches on the other side of the state are able to help us. And that's the beauty of, of being cooperative is that we are able to be a part of all of those different things from our own backyard all the way to the other side of the state. 
And so we're so thankful to be a part of that through Kentucky Baptist Convention Life. And so uh, if you've uh, been looking for an opportunity to give, here's an opportunity. And you do have a special offering envelope today. If you'd like to give, just you can put your money and your check in there. And you can once again put that in the back foyer uh, as you're leaving today. Uh, again, I want to pray for these families. Uh, you know the variety of needs. I'm sure you've spoken of many of those today in Sunday school. And uh, let's lift all of these individuals and families up in our prayers today. But most importantly, we want to pray for the lost, for the one, for the two, for the three, whoever many it may be, the Lord has laid on our heart for us to go in and to look for the opportunities to have those gospel conversations and to pour into their lives so they could know Jesus, so they could hear the gospel presented. Uh, let's pray for them once again today because we recognize the Holy Spirit. He must move in their heart and in their life for them to receive Jesus. And so we want to pray for that again today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we are so thankful for yet another Sunday morning to come together corporately as a local body of believers. Lord, for the purpose of worship. Lord, thank you that we can lift up our hearts and our voices to you. That, Lord, as we pray, that we're not just speaking to the ceiling, but, Lord, that we are having a conversation with you, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. And, Lord, you hear us. And you don't just hear us, but you respond to us. Lord, the situations and circumstances of our life that are too heavy for us are not too heavy for you. And so, Lord, when we lay them down, we know that we can trust you with them. Lord, whether that is a health issue, a difficult diagnosis this week, Lord, we give that over to you, recognizing that you are the great physician. Whether it's the hurt that comes from the home going of loved ones, Lord, we recognize you're the God of all comfort. Lord, whether it's a relationship that, that is broken, we know that you're the God of reconciliation. But even more important than that, Lord, we know that you're the God of salvation. And Lord, that as we pray for our family members, as we pray for that friend, that coworker, that classmate, that Lord, you're the God who hears those prayers. And Lord, you're going to speak to hearts. And that Lord, as we go and as we take the gospel, hearts are going to be ready and we're going to see a great harvest. And so Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, today I recognize we've got men and women, we've got boys and girls in this sanctuary today. And some of them don't yet know you as Savior and Lord. And some of them need to hear today, and they need to respond to you. And so, Lord, I pray that even right now you'd convict their hearts, but also that you'd give them the courage to step forward and say yes to that relationship with you, to your honor and to your glory. Lord, we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Sing this great song together. Revive us again. Now here's what I want to do every time we come to the chorus. Ladies, you do the hallelujah. Men, then you respond. Uh, be the glory. Ladies, hallelujah. Men, say amen. Ladies, hallelujah. Thy, and men, thine the glory. And everybody say revive us again. All right? As the time we come to that chorus, let's do it. Stand up. Here we go. Let's praise him together. Ready? We praise thee, O God. For the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone. All right, ladies, sing it out. Men, thine the glory. Ladies, amen. Thine the glory. Everybody, everybody here we are a skinny praise team uh, but we're gonna do this song with Ricky here he's gonna lead us out and uh, we finally made it to the end of Revelation in our preaching today so we figured we would honor this by singing Revelation song so uh, if you guys know it sing it with us there'll be an opportunity at the end um, for us to all lift our voices
song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to King of kings, you are my everything, and I will adore you. Thank you, praise team, and I think we kind of bookend uh, the book of Revelation as that was, I believe, the first song that was sung as we began this uh, series of messages together, and uh, appropriate that we would sing that as we close out with the final message today. If you will, turn with me. It should be pretty easy to find where we're at. It is in Revelation chapter 22. We are at the end. We're at the end of the book, and we are also at the end of the book. Uh, and so uh, that's where we find ourselves after John has received 
the complete revelation of all that Jesus has shown to him. Uh, this is it. Uh, this is the final word. If you want to hear from God, if you want to hear a word from God, this is where you find it. And this is complete with the final amen. And that's what we will see this morning. And so as you turn in your Bibles to Revelation 22, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer together. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to journey through the book of Revelation. Lord, we thank you for the promises that it gives us, the warnings that it gives us, but most importantly, Lord, for the vision that it gives us of who you are in all of your glory, in all of your splendor. Lord, the way that you have described our home to us, our home for eternity in heaven, Lord, it's been good. Lord, there's been difficult parts, but Lord, it's things that we need to hear. And so, Lord, today, as we come to the final message, Lord, I pray that you would speak once again. And again, I have a burden on my heart today because I look around and I see some of my friends who are here and they don't yet have that relationship with you. And these are folks that I've prayed for and I love dearly. And I pray they'd hear you. I pray they'd hear you clearly today. That you love them. And Lord, that you've died for them. And you desire a relationship with them today. Lord, I pray that they would repent of sin and come to know you, even this morning, to your honor and to your glory. And so, Lord, with that being said, again today, I, I plead with you to hide me behind the cross. That only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we think about it, final things are pretty special to us. Final things have an importance to us in life. I think about, uh, and some of you who are still students, maybe some of you who, who have, have, can remember back to high school, college, master's degree, uh, maybe even some of you have, have gotten a doctorate, you can think back and you can remember writing those papers at the end of the semester. And I remember, especially in seminary, and they were, some of those papers would be 30, 40 pages long. And to hand in that final paper, wasn't that a good feeling? Uh, to be able to, to know you, that was the final one. Or maybe it's that last day of school on your senior year. In that final day, there's just something special about it. Some of you guys, uh, you don't look old enough to be retired, but you are. Uh, but you can remember back to that final day at work before retirement. That was a pretty sweet day, wasn't it? Uh, knowing that that was the final day. We also can think about television shows out there uh, and, and the big deal that is made, especially if it's a long-running show like MASH or, or some of those kind of series, that final episode, they make a big deal out of the series finale. That's the last one that you're going to get. Um, one of the reasons I think that we celebrate so much on Labor Day is that's kind of the, the last day of summer. That's the last time we're going to go to the lake. That's the last opportunity that we may have to, to you know, go, go swimming, go out, go out and do some of those summer kind of things. We think of that as kind of being the end of the summer. And this morning we come to the ultimate in finales. Our study of the book of Revelation has taken us from the days of the early church in the past all the way into eternity in the future. John has been faithfully fulfilling the divine purpose that he shared for us in the verse of this book in, in, in Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to shew unto the servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. 
So we see here that John has been used by the Lord to reveal, to reveal to God's people God's perfect plan for the future. We've seen in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 1.19, where it says, Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. We have seen those fulfilled in the pages of this amazing book. The Lord has shown us how the church age will end. It will end with the church in apostasy, cold and dead, with Jesus on the outside. And we are steadily moving in that direction. If we look at, at everything that's going on in the world around us, we see that taking place today. He has shown us what will follow after the church is removed from this world. There will be a terrible tribulation period that will engulf this entire world. Billions, we're told, will die. They'll die from war. They will die from disease and from the tragedies of the divine judgment that will come upon this earth. This age will also end with the Antichrist and Satan judged and sentenced to an eternity in the lake of fire. We have even been given a glimpse of our own future. We have seen a place called heaven where death and disease and sin and Satan will be completely prohibited. We have been given a small foretaste of that wonderful place that we will call home someday soon. And in our text this morning, we have arrived at the end of the book. These verses today serve as the Lord's final word to us, not only in the book of Revelation, but in the Bible. This is the final word. So let's move through these divine verses together as we end our study in the book of Revelation here in Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 6. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Verse 6, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to shew unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which shewed me these things. Then saith he to me, See thou, do not, do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of this prophecy of the book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. 
For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You may be seated. These are some powerful final words. And as we come to verses 6 through 10, we see a final word about the scriptures. We see in verse 6 the scriptures are accurate. And that's something that we all need to hear again today. The scriptures are accurate. John is assuring that everything that has been written here is faithful and true. There are, there are no falsehoods here. There has not been a single exaggeration, nor has there been a, a single falsehood written in the word of God. Every prophecy that has been made in this book will come to pass. You can take it to the bank. It's as good as done. One of the names given to Jesus in the book of Revelation is faithful and true. And what that means is that name declares him to be trustworthy and to be worthy of faith. The Lord can be trusted. And when he makes a statement, it is truth. And when he makes a promise, it will come to pass. And when he issues a prophecy, I can promise you it will be fulfilled every time. God has tied the truth of his scriptures to the integrity of his name. So you can believe the book that God has given to us. You can believe your Bible. When God speaks, he speaks truth. Every word in this book, every word is God-breathed. It is inerrant. It is infallible. You can trust your Bible. But also in verses 7 through 9, we see the scriptures are authoritative. With the statement, behold, I come quickly, the Lord declares his authority. Man can say what he wishes about the Bible and about God's promises and prophecies, but God will have the final say. The Lord also reaffirms his promise to bless those who keep the words of the revelation. That word keep means guarding or protecting or attending to carefully. And so we see that the Lord will bless the people who read and believe and live out the words that are in this book. That was his promise at the beginning in Revelation 1-3. And it is his promise now here at the end. The Bible was not given to us to sit on a coffee table at home or to be thrown in the floorboard in the back seat of the car from Sunday afternoon through Sunday morning of, of the next week. That is not what this book is for. I've got some folks that will say, I think I, I left my Bible there a couple, three weeks ago. That's a problem. That means you haven't really been spending any time in God's Word. This is His letter. It's His love letter to us. And He wants us to be in it on a daily basis. The Word, word of God has authority over our lives. And we need to he, read and heed those words. When John hears this promise of God given to him through the angel, he gets up and for a moment he, he, he falls before this angel in, in, in worship. 
The angel rebukes John, though, reminding him that the, the angel himself is a servant to God as well. And then John is given advice, and I think it's advice that we all need to hear this morning. And that is he's told to worship who? To worship God. Worship God. And what he means by that is worship God and worship God only. God and God alone is worthy and deserving of our worship. It's easy to become like the world and become guilty of worshiping uh, persons and things around us. And we see that happening uh, in our culture in a, in a big way. There's a lot of things that are being worshipped. And maybe not in, in a church setting, but they certainly are being worshipped. And they are not the Lord God Almighty. But the only person who is worthy to be worshipped is the Lord God Almighty himself. And that we need to hear that. As Christians, as believers, we need to hear that. That our worship, that, that the full attention of our life and our resources, all that we have, should be upon the Lord God and not all these other things on the exterior of our life. But then look at verse 10 and we see the scriptures are accessible. And that's good for us to hear. That's something that the Reformation was about. Is that the scriptures are accessible. John is commanded to seal not the book that he has written. In other words, don't hide it from the people. There shouldn't be this fence around the prophecy. The word seal means to conceal or to keep secret. And many years earlier that it actually happened. The prophet Daniel was commanded to seal up the book that he had written in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. The time for the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy had not yet arrived. It was not time to share those words with the world. But John, on the other hand, he is not to hide these things away. He's not to keep these things secret. He is to publish them so the world may hear the news that Jesus is coming and that judgment is about to fall upon this world. The Bible that we hold in our hands today, this Bible is a living witness to the God of heaven. These are not man's words. These are God's words. And so it reveals God to us in all of his glory, in all of his power, but also in all of his wrath. The Bible is not a closed book. It's open, and the message is available to all who will pick it up and to read it with an honest and obedient heart. If this book is closed, then it is closed to those who refuse to know the Lord and to those who have been blinded by the devil to the truth that is found in the word of God. One day this book that is so hated by the world and that the world has denied the power of will be the standard by which they will be judged. So if I were you this morning, then I would read this book. I would trust and obey the loving Lord who has given us this book. After all, it is the word of God and it will stand for all of eternity. But secondly, I want you to look at verses 11 through 16 and then verses 20 and 21 where we see a final word about the Savior. We see a final word about the Savior. We see a final word about Jesus. In verse 12 and then in verses 20 and 21, we see a word about his advent or of his coming. That's why we call the Christmas season Advent. It was the first coming of the Lord. And so here we see again that we have a Lord who gives us a promise, and he promises us that he is coming again. That was his promise before he left this world in John 14, 1 through 3. And that is his promise now. His promise is he is coming. 
It's a, it's a promise, again, that is as good as fulfilled because it's a promise that's been made by Jesus. So we know that the Lord's return will happen. And when it happens, it will happen in two stages. And, of course, that first stage is he will return in the clouds above this earth and he will claim his bride, the church, his redeemed bride, and he will take her home to heaven. But then we see, secondly, he will return in power and glory to claim this earth for himself. And he will defeat his enemies. He will establish his kingdom. And he will rule in righteousness this world. For the saints of God, the thought of the Lord's return, I believe, offers us a great deal of hope. Just the thought that he might be coming in our lifetime, that we might be able to cheat death, I think is something that is just a wonderful thought for us to grasp hold of. Um, when my mom passed away in late May, uh, we had to go and we had to, we had to do all the planning for her funeral after her death. And the reason for that is my mom was fairly certain that she was going to be a part of the rapture before she left. And, and so she didn't think there was any reason to waste your money on something you're never going to use. Uh, because she was looking towards the rapture. And I have to say I'm kind of the same way. I'm looking for the rapture. Now she's going to experience the rapture in a different way. Uh, but I'm looking for that day. I, I hope I get to cheat death. I hope I don't have to experience death on this earth. I hope I get raptured in that way. But isn't that just a wonderful thought that we have the opportunity? And even if we die, we see that God has given us that promise that we'll still be a part of that rapture. In fact, if, you, if you're uh, asleep in the Lord, he says, if we die in the Lord, then we'll be the first ones. But it's no wonder that John prayed for the Lord to come in Revelation 22, verse 20. Every child of God who loves the Lord and believes the Bible is looking forward to the leaving through the rapture. Looking forward to that day when we will hear that trumpet and we will all fly away home. We are looking forward to that day. But also in verses 11 and 12 and then 14 and 15 we see a word about his rewards. According to verse 12, the return of Jesus will be a mixed blessing. He is going to reward every man according to his works. That is, those who have received him as their Savior or will enjoy a time of blessing when he returns. He will reward them for their works and bless them for their service. You're not saved because of your, uh, of your works, but there will be rewards for the saved. Many faithful saints of God will hear him say, Well done! Thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. What a day that will be. I don't know about you, but I long to hear those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That'll be worth it all, won't it? To hear those precious words. However, those who do not know Jesus will discover that on that day of his return that it will spell certain doom for them, for those who have continually rejected Jesus. Perhaps they've rejected Jesus from, from the world, or perhaps they've rejected Jesus from a church pew, but they have rejected Jesus over and over and over and over again. That is what he means in verse 11 when he says very clearly, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still and he that which is filthy let him be filthy still he's saying stay in the condition that you're in when jesus returns to this world there will be no time to get ready when he comes 
how he finds our souls is how our souls will remain throughout all of eternity. And we don't know when that day will be. He will come as a thief in the night. And so if I were you, I would be sure that I was saved, that I was ready for that day when I met Jesus. I want to make sure that my soul is in a prepared condition for all of eternity. And you can make sure of that today. You can know him today. You don't have to wonder about that. But if you're not ready, if you continually push him away and say no, maybe another day, you will find yourself unready, unprepared, and lost forever. He pronounces a blessing on those who obey, though. He pronounces that blessing of the gospel there in verse 14. He pronounces a a curse on those who reject the gospel in verse 15. And those who receive him will enjoy the blessing of heaven and everlasting life. He says in verse 14, while those who choose sin over a relationship with Jesus will be shut out of heaven, which is the promise of verse 15. The question you need to consider today is this. Where would you be if Jesus were to return today where would you spend eternity are you saved can you say you have a personal love relationship with jesus christ that you know him personally are you ready to meet him today are you excited about the thought of him returning because you know him in that intimate way i'm excited about the return of jesus i can't wait for the return of jesus do you have that excitement if you don't there's a problem if you're not eager for him to return Has your soul been made fit for heaven by the blood of the Lamb? Not by your works, not by religious activity, but because you have a relationship with Jesus. Can you claim the blood of the Lamb? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That's the question, because Jesus is coming. For some, it will be a time of great rejoicing, but for many more, it will be a time of horrific rejection and retribution. But also I want you to look at verses 13 and 16. We see a word about his authority. In these two verses, Jesus here declares his ability to make these statements and to bring them to pass. He reminds us that he was here when everything began because he is the agent of creation. He is the one who made it all. He's the one that began it all. And he will still be here when all of this winds up. He reminds us that he is the king of kings, there in verse 16. It's interesting the way he describes himself. He says he is the root of David. In other words, he means that that he is David's ancestor. But then he also says he's the offspring of David, meaning he is David's descendant. Jesus is ultimate in authority. He founded the throne, and one day he will also occupy the throne here on this earth, as he already does in heaven. He is the bright and morning star. To be called a star, and even in our culture today and in that culture as well, was to be elevated in status. The morning star signaled the advent of, of a new day. And so Jesus is reminding us that he, who is greater than all, will return and he will destroy all darkness in this world forever. The light of his glory will fill both heaven and earth when he comes again. Jesus can make the promise that he made because he has the power and the authority to bring it to pass. Unlike anyone else, no one else can make that promise. Jesus and Jesus alone can. He is coming and he will rule and he will reign in righteousness and in power one day very soon. But also we see in verses 17 through 19, thirdly, that a a final word about the Spirit. A final word about the Spirit. 
in verse 17, the beginning of that verse, we see there is an appeal to appear. Here we find the Spirit and the Bride inviting the Lord Jesus to come. The Spirit of God desires nothing more than the glory of the Son of God, that the Son might receive honor and glory and praise. The Spirit of God longs for the Savior's return so that he might defeat his enemies and occupy his rightful place on the throne of this universe. The Spirit desires the glory of the Son of God, that that he might receive all that is due him. Therefore, the Spirit says, come. The bride of Christ echoes that invitation. That is the church. We we echo that that invitation to the Spirit. There there is a longing in the heart of, of the redeemed of those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is a longing down here for us, for the advent of the Redeemer, for His return, for us, His church. How many here can identify with that desire to say, Come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. Come. There are times when the burdens of this life are pressing us down, and it just seems like we're like Job, and it's one thing after another, and we just cry out, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. And so many of our families right now are going through that that feeling of hurt and anguish. And we're just crying out, come Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. There are times when the world seems like a a foreign place to us. And we so long for the return of our Jesus. Well, hang on church. Hang on just a little bit longer, bride of Christ. Your Redeemer is coming again. And he's going to come and he's going to take you home. And that's a day that we look forward to. But also in verse 17, the second part, we see there is an appeal to accept. Here on the last page of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, the Spirit of God offers one last invitation to lost sinners to come to Jesus for salvation. One last opportunity. Anyone who sees their need for the Savior, anyone who understands that Jesus Christ can save their soul, can come today. The day of grace is today. The day of salvation is today. He is still saying, come, come to me, be saved, repent of sin, come into relationship with me. He gives another opportunity, pass from death unto life, even as the Lord brings things to a close. People are still being invited to come to him for their soul's salvation. And so again, we ask you this morning here in Bryansford Baptist Church, here in the very center of Marshall County, Kentucky, That same question comes, have you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Have you said yes to Jesus? Because if you haven't, let me invite you again this morning. Before the invitation even comes, you can interrupt the preacher. No problem about it. Even right now, you come. You come to Jesus right now. You repent of your sin, and you come to Jesus, and you know what he says? You shall be saved. You shall be saved. If you recognize your sin and you're crying out to Jesus, I I can't do this anymore. I can't save myself, Lord. He says, you're right. Come, come, come to me. And if you'll confess those sins and trust in me by faith, my grace will save you. You shall be saved. You need that this morning. There's that appeal for us to come to him. But also in verses 18 through 19, there is an admonition to avoid people are warned not to tamper with the word of God here the Lord pronounces a curse on those who would add or take away from the words of the Bible this is not a new warning it's a warning that's run through the 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 pages of scripture it's a it's a thread of 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 warning that we see Deuteronomy 4 2 
Deuteronomy 12, 32, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, all warn us not to add to the word of God. In fact, the warning given here is twofold. First, men are warned not to add to the Bible. The Bible is a complete book, like I said. The final amen is the final amen. And when the Bible was finished, the revelation of God to man ended right there. There are no more new revelations being given today. Every person who stands up and claims to have a new word from the Lord is guilty of adding to the word of God. They are bringing the threat of divine judgment upon themselves. In fact, you know, one of the hallmarks of the charismatic movement has been the inclusion of, of new revelation, of a, of a secret word that nobody had ever heard before, and they're bringing it in. Someone will stand up in a service and claim to have a word from God, and then, and, and then somebody else will stand up somewhere else, and they have a word. That is dangerous because it's heresy. The final amen is the final amen. We have all the words from God that we will ever have right here in his Bible. They're not just available to me over here or, or him over there or, or her in the back. They're available to all of us because they've been written down. His word is the final word. The final amen is the final amen. These verses also let us know that every book written by man that claims to be scripture outside of the word of God is a lie straight from the devil. And we have a lot of that going on today. The Book of Mormon, the writings of Mary Baker, Patterson, Glover, Eddy, who founded the Christian Science, which is neither Christian nor science. And others who would claim to have lost books of the Bible are all attempts by Satan to undermine our faith in the actual Word of God. And I've dealt with folks even this last month who have asked me that same question. Explain to me all these hidden books that we didn't know about. There aren't any. There aren't any. Those are lies from the devil. Those are lies from Satan. Things to, to distract us from actually spending time in his word. This is it. The final amen. And those who add to the, to, to the words of God will face divine vengeance and judgment. God does not want his word tampered with. Ever. This is his word. But secondly... Men are warned not to subtract from the Bible. And so many people are guilty of picking and choosing what they want from the Word of God. I'll take this part and I won't take that part. I'll take the, you know, I'll take the teachings of Jesus without all the miracles of Jesus because I don't believe in that stuff. But I'll take the teachings. Or you know, I'll take the words of Jesus, but that's it. I don't take anything else. Or I'll take the words of the New Testament, but not the words of the Old Testament. You know, I'm not going to listen to any of that. Well, when we do that, we're, we're on dangerous ground. They may not add to the Bible, but they're guilty of subtracting. Far too many are guilty of diluting the message of God. They deny its truth. They water down its doctrines, and they ignore its warnings. They, too, will face divine judgment. I take this matter of handling the Word of God very, very seriously. Each Sunday when I come and I stand, I want to make sure that this is God's Word and not Brother Brad's word, because brother's Brad, Brother Brad's word does you no good. Does you no good at all. It has to be God's word. And so I don't want to come up here and I don't want to present my ideas and my opinions and, and, and all those things. I want to present the word of God. And sometimes when I preach the word of God, it makes some of you mad. So be it. It's the word of God. And I'd rather upset you than upset God. And so I'm going to preach the word of God. 
I'm going to preach it in fullness. I'm going to preach it as he's given it to us. And not just preachers, but, you know, let every preacher of the gospel, but also let every Sunday school teacher, let every discipleship teacher, let anyone who leads a devotion, um, let anybody who, who wants to, to disciple someone in a one-on-one setting, let them all handle this word with care. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher to, to, uh, to be able to disciple somebody. Absolutely not, but, but handle it with care. Don't give people your opinions. Don't, don't give people, you know, what your thoughts and, and this, is, this is, you know, my idea. No, give them the word of God and you're giving them something that has life. Our opinions don't have life. The word of God does. But be very careful how you handle it. It deserves our best efforts and we should study it. We should meditate over it. We should present it in the power of the spirit. Maybe you say, well, I don't feel like I have the power of the spirit. Then get it on your knees and pray. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what he's saying, the truth of what he's saying. And then once you understand it, once the Lord's given it to you, then go and present it in the power of the spirit. Preach it with boldness. Teach it with boldness. Jesus wants you to know that he's coming again. He's coming to put down all evil and to raise up his kingdom, and he wants you to be ready to meet him when he does come. The question this morning is, is are you ready? Because if you're not ready, listen to me this morning, you can be. You can be ready today. You can be ready for the return of Jesus. And this is how. All you have to do is recognize your sin. You know who's a sinner? I was a sinner, but I'm a, I'm a saint now in the eyes of God. Does that mean I'm perfect? Absolutely not, but it means I'm forgiven. By the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ has come into my heart and into my life. And now when God sees me, he doesn't see me in all my sin. But he sees the righteousness of Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. And so maybe you you understand you're a sinner. If you recognize that, you can come to Jesus today. Ask him for forgiveness and ask him to come into your life. That you might have a relationship with him. And if you do that, if you will trust him by faith, the grace of God will save you. If you trust in his death burial, and resurrection from the grave, you will be saved. Maybe this morning you are saved and you just want to rejoice and thank the Lord for what he has done in your life, that he's changed you, that he's made you a citizen of heaven. Maybe you just want to praise him for that today. Maybe you recognize this needs to be your church home and you want to come. Maybe there's just a burden on your heart and you want to come to this altar and pray. Whatever the needs may be, recognize that God is here. He wants to meet you. He wants to meet you here. Would you come? Would you say yes to him today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the complete word that you've given to us. There's nothing lacking. Lord, it is, it is complete. The final amen is the final amen. Lord, you've given us everything we need. And so, Lord, today I pray that if there's even one here, maybe it's a young boy, a young girl, maybe it's a middle-aged man or woman, maybe it's an older man or woman, and they recognize they are a sinner. And, Lord, they're in need of salvation, Lord. I pray that today might be the day of salvation for them. I pray that they would hear your invitation to them today and that they would come. Lord, I also pray for those who recognize that this this needs to be their church home. Lord, that they need to get plugged in to what you're doing here at Brinesburg in this local body of believers. And Lord, I pray that they might come and that they might say, you know what, I want a covenant with this church family. Lord, that they might disciple me, but Lord, that I might also be a help to the ministry of the church. Lord, help them to come today. Lord, I know that there are many that need to make decisions. Lord, there are many that may be scared.